0: Hi I'm Chris. Hi I'm Chris. And we like movies. We do. Uh,
1: yes, we do. Um not always the same movies. No. Not always the same ones, but we do try and we look, we we watch lots of films so sometimes You like stuff I don't like, sometimes it's vice versa. Kind of rarely we both like the same kind of film. Yeah. So what did we watch this week, Chris? Well, we watched a film that I suggested. It's a, a British film from the early 80s called Excalibur directed by John Borman um, it is um, it's uh, based on it's based on the legend of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table it is uh, it's kind of based on uh, the, the, the stories of Lamort d'Arthur which is I think from the from written in I think it's written in 1700s, I think I will have to check that actually. Um, but yeah, and this is a film that I have first saw in the mid 90s, I think, on TV. And it kind of, um, because I've because I'm English and I grew up kind of with the legends of King Arthur as a child, um, this kind of encapsulated those kind of legends and kind of brought them to life. So this is why I've always liked this film. And uh, that's why I chose it. So. Okay. So. I had never heard of this movie before. That's good. I'm glad I've exposed you to something you've never heard of.
0: Yeah. Um. So I watched it.
1: Have you ever seen any I was going to ask do, are you familiar are you familiar with the tales of King Arthur before seeing this film?
0: Uh broadly speaking not in the specificity of some of the details of this movie. Yeah. Uh which I guess we'll get into. Yeah. Um so I mean why did this movie make such an impression on you like is it just because you already knew the legends so it was nice to see them brought it's to because, life Because
1: um, I I um I was I I knew the legends I'm I've been some of it was meant to have happened near like near where I grew up or in the like the vicinity, like, within a 200-mile radius. And so I've always been exposed to these, these kind of, these legends, and they always kind of inspired me to some degree, my imagination. And seeing this film kind of brought that to life. It brought all these images and stories to life. And it kind of, it fit in with the legends that I knew. And it, um... And it kind of lived up to those. Okay. So, do you want
0: to give, like, a very brief synopsis of what happens in the movie?
1: Very brief. It's, okay. So, um... I say very brief because it's really long. It is quite long. Um, so to begin with the story kind of goes, it's told from kind of from almost from Merlin's point of view from the beginning. No, this, so we, so trying to explain who Merlin is, um, Merlin's this, so it, I just, it's, I'm kind of assuming that everyone knows the, the legends of King Arthur to some degree. So I, I don't want to kind of go into explaining who all these characters are and like where, like the when it's when it's meant to be and so I'm kind of relying on people knowing this already. But Merlin is a magician. And um was a, a magician slash sorcerer. Um um as I recall he he's got the the sword, Excalibur, it's a magic sword. Um, which he retrieves from the Lady of the Lake Um, and there's um, basically Arthur is born from uh, let's say an alliance a somewhat controversial alliance Um, let's see so oh yeah the character of Uther Pendragon is a a bad guy, basically. Um, he secured an alliance with the Duke of Cornwall, so the Duke of Cornwall is kind of the good guy at this stage. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be brief, but I'm basically uh, they've made an alliance. But the Duke of um, the Cornwall's wife has appealed somewhat to Uther Pendragon, um, so he doesn't care about the new alliance. He just wants the Duke, the Duke of Cornwall's wife. So he convinces Merlin to help him. And Merlin says, "Okay, but but only, but whatever happens. So if you if you, if you get with this woman and you have a child, I I want the child, basically." And he says, "Okay," because he doesn't care about anything. He just wants to be with this woman. So Merlin turns him into the likeness of uh, the Duke of Cornwall. So he goes to her. Um, he has a a, a he. Beds her. Um, while all this is happening, uh, the Duke of Cornwall, Cornwall's daughter Morgana, who is like what five or six years old, is has this. This is all happening in front of her, so she's obviously a bit traumatized by it. Um, so, so that's implanted something in her in her brain, which will, which will, which will come which will be, which will be in the plot later on so it's relevant to what happens later on um um let's see so anyway oh the the Duke Cornwall dies in the battle so yeah that's just just relevant so anyway Arthur is born nine months later um Merlin comes to take the baby as agreed. Uh Arthur's mother's very unhappy about it. But Merlin takes him anyway, and then uh Uther Pendragon chases Merlin to get the baby back, I think. Um does he, I can't remember now. No, no, that's not right. <laughs> um he's got Excalibur. He's got Excalibur. I oh, know he does chase him. He does chase him and gets mortally wounded by one of the not one of Cornwall's knights. And he's got Excalibur. I can't remember how he's got Excalibur at this point. But he plunges Excalibur into the into the stone, saying, "Who nobody should have Excalibur but me." So he plunges it into the stone, and then Merlin says, "Right, anyone, whoever draws that sword will be the king," and that sets the scene. For the for the film, that's kind mm-hmm. of the 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 prologue, as it were, to set the scene for what happens. Okay, so yeah. um, basically, years later, Arthur comes along. He's like um, he's the adopted son of someone, Sir Ector, Sir Ector, and they're at a jousting tournament. Basically, Arthur's kind of He's not. He's nothing special. He's just a young, yeah. a young lad, helping his brother. And anyway, uh, his brother's sword gets broken, so he can't go into the jousting tournament without a sword. And then, it just so happens that the jousting tournament is happening in the vicinity of where Excalibur has been planted in the stone. So Arthur sees it and says, "Oh, well, where could you use that one?" So Arthur goes to get it. He pick. He just lifts it straight out of the stone and then he's proclaimed king basically trying to keep that trying to keep that brief um it's hard to recap the story it's hard to be brief yeah do you want to do you so want like, can, can you
0: you've covered you the, the part of the movie that i would say has a coherent narrative Because from this point forward, it's just, like, the adventures of Arthur and his knights, and it makes no sense, and there's no, like, broader narrative, and it doesn't really tie together in a meaningful way. It's just, like, then this happened, then this happened, then this other thing happened, then more happened. So I think, you know, that first part is where, like, the movie is followable. (laughs) And then after Arthur becomes king, things just happen at a very brisk pace and you never really get a chance to, like, appreciate most of it.
1: I kind of agree with that. There's, I think that's more the case later on in the film. After. um, Yeah. But much later on, I think. I think. I think the scenes where Arthur, I think the story of the how, how the Knights of the Round Table come about, and Arthur and Guinevere, and then the betrayal of, Lancelot. That's all. I think that's all pretty coherent, actually, because I've seen because I've seen this so yeah. many times.
0: Each individual like sub story, I think, makes total sense. But like tying them all together, it's just like, did a week happen? Did a year happen? Did ten years happen? Who knows? I feel like the the movie is telling all of the stories from Arthurian legend rather than trying to focus on a particular one that is like thematically or or like plot wise really consistent
1: which see is what fine, you mean, but it did make. There's kind of, there's the whole bit where Percival goes off to find the Holy Grail, which kind of kind of kind of detracts from the rest of what's going on. So I think you're right in that sense. But at the end, but, yeah. but then that kind of ties into finding the Holy Grail and taking it back to to help Arthur so he can he can rise again. Yeah. I
0: think if this movie was pitched today, it would be pitched as a trilogy. Yeah.
1: Probably on Netflix.
0: Yeah. yeah. Or like a mini series.
1: Yeah. And I think that would
0: actually work. Yeah, I think that would actually be better. So I... Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: I did not hate this movie. I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of in the realms of Midnight Cowboy in that respect. Going back to one of our previous reviews. Yeah. A bit.
0: Yeah, actually, there is a lot of parallels with Midnight Cowboy. It's sort of there are certain aspects, and there's especially certain characters that I really liked. Uh, so like. Merlin emerging from the mist wrapped in a tattered black cloak is like goth goals. Absolutely. Yeah. And Morgana, played by Helen Mirren, was pretty great. Um, but like, you know, Merlin is especially relevant at the beginning of the film, and Morgana is especially relevant towards the end of it. And there's like two yeah. hours in between. And you know, you can think clearly about how they know each other and how they interact, but like yeah, that connection is a very small part of the film overall. And so I didn't find enough in the middle to really keep me interested and involved in what was happening. But like everyone was in this movie. So, even uh even Patrick Stewart was in it, which I didn't realize.
1: Yeah, he was um he was um dad, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I was I could I I I was wondering what you would think of the performances because they're kind of a bit obscure. Some of the some of it, like like um some of the acting is kind of a bit almost hokey. Oh, it's definitely hokey.
0: A lot of it was just really shouty as well. Yeah. Like the only note they were getting from the director was you need to be louder and more enthusiastic. But like, I don't know if it was just like the style at the time or they were trying to bring like a Shakespearean gravitas to, to things, but I found it really jarring to watch in the year of Our Lord 2020
1: hmm I think it kind of works with the the fact, just the fact that it's set in the Middle Ages, and it kind of just adds something extra for me. I guess. Were there any scenes you thought really were really good and really worked?
0: Um. I think the scene where Arthur actually pulls the sword from the stone and then somebody was like, nuh-uh, put it back. I'm going to take it. And he puts it back and they couldn't take it. And then he removed it again for the audience. I thought that actually worked really well. I thought it was like, it's like a reasonable sequence of events. It's clear what's happening. It's clear why it's convincing to this audience. But I also thought it was just so very English that they would leave matters of state up to the wisdom of a rock. There were other scenes that, that, that didn't really work for me. There was, um, towards the end where Merlin and Morgana go to that crystal realm thing. And it's kind of unclear in the moment, whether it is like a physical place or if it's supposed to be like an allegorical place or a magical place?
1: You mean where she where she, tricks it, where she tricks him into giving to giving to giving her the charm of making.
0: Yeah, I thought that was kind of because they're both like B characters, right? They're there to sort of facilitate the plot surrounding Arthur, but they. Like that moment where it just focused on the two of them and in a context that didn't make any sense in the broader narrative was really bizarre to me. And there were certain... So a lot of the scenes that didn't work super well for me were um, like the physical scene. There's a lot of fight scenes in the movie, a lot of battle scenes. Yeah. And I don't think they worked particularly well. Um, And I think it's sort of down to one the, the the training that the actors had and two it was certain concessions the training the, to the camera work you
1: mean the to, training to make the fights look convincing
0: yeah
1: i mean they didn't like look the convincing. stage fights <laughs> okay yeah yeah
0: and i think because the movie had to hide some of the shortcomings in the the choreography of the actors the camera work had to make certain concessions that made the fight scenes really hard to follow. Um, There's one in particular uh, where um, the two knights of the round table are fighting about Guinevere's honor. And they're both wearing very shiny armor and they both have helmets on. And if you watch the scene as a like slapstick physical comedy thing then it's kind of funny but if you try to watch the scene straight it's very hard to follow because you can't tell who's who until they take their helmets off and even then the camera likes to do a wide shot where you can't actually tell who's who and i thought that sort of you know this is supposed to be a big pivotal moment where you have this conflict within the round table but it falls apart because you can't tell what's happening
1: okay that is yeah I'd forgotten about that scene actually it's a kind of it's not It's put it this way it's one of my least favourite scenes in the film
0: yeah there's a there's a part like three quarters of the way through the movie where Arthur has lost Excalibur because he's stuck it into the ground because, uh, Guinevere and is it Galahad? Lancelot. Lancelot.
1: That's um, kind of the long, Yeah. Yeah. 'Cause that's how she ends up.
0: And it, he's it? so he's lost it and he's like sick because he doesn't have it. And then she later shows up kind of out of the blue to give it back to him. And I still don't fully understand where she came from or why. Doesn't he
1: go but she 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 goes to a convent, doesn't she? And he goes he goes there specifically to see her, doesn't he? She doesn't just turn up. No, I I thought she
0: showed up at at his castle. Like she showed up in his court. Maybe I'm misremembering, or I'm you know putting parts of the movie together.
1: Like oh, the bit where he where he gets Excalibur back from her.
0: Yeah. So she's in a convent, and he goes to see her.
1: Yeah, you're misremembering. She's in a convent, and he goes to, to see her to get Excalibur back. I think. Or whether she he goes to see her and she just happens to have it. So she gives it back to him. I can't remember the exact details. I but see. But it would make sense if he went there to get it. So yeah, she doesn't she doesn't just turn up, he goes that he goes to the convent to find her, to see her. I see. Okay. That makes
0: slightly more sense. Yeah. So like overall I didn't hate the movie, but I didn't I didn't like it either. I don't think it's something I'm ever going to watch again. Is it something you're still going to watch? I'm still
1: going to watch it. I've watched it before with um, okay. a friend who absolutely slated it. <laughs> and um, because of, of the hokey acting and some of the, like the scene where Merlin is showing off and he's making a point to Arthur and then I think he's making some kind of, The bit where he puts his arms up and then just disappears. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. Yeah, that was mocked and ridiculed.
0: The acting's pretty weird. But I think
1: it fits with...
0: I think there there were quite a few lines
1: that were... Do you remember any of them? Can you remember any of the lines you thought were specifically weird? Or especially weird? There were a few
0: lines in the movie that, like when I heard them, I had to sort of stop like at the beginning when Merlin is making it. So Pendragon can sneak back into the castle and he summons the mist or summons the ocean. And Pendragon is like, but what about the ocean? And Merlin said, your lust will keep you afloat or something. Your lust will keep you afloat. Yeah. And like, I had to pause the movie because I was like, His lust is going to keep him from drowning?
1: What the fuck? Well, that's kind of... That's Merlin's... I mean, Merlin can do that. He can make that happen. You kind of have to suspend your belief when... When watching stuff like that. Yeah, I just thought it was like... I mean, basically... Basically, I think it's because this is the thing... It's almost like oh Merlin knows what's going to happen, and he knows this is going to lead to something good. This is going to lead to the king who will who will rise rise from the land and make it make make the, make it a better place. And so Uther 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 only cares about getting on with Cornwall's wife, and that's what's going to keep him going. So basically, that's what that's what. That's what Merlin's referring to, and that's what's happening to help this this great scheme happen. So it's a good thing. His yeah. last keeping him mm-hmm. is a good thing in this respect because it's working towards the new king essentially. That's how I perceive right. that. So, do you think it's
0: it's productive or it's better to watch the movie with Merlin's perspective in mind? Yeah, I think it is.
1: Okay, that's know, an interesting I'm, idea. I'm trying to think if there's any kind of moments in the film. I think it would have been better if I had rewatched it, actually, before doing this. Um <laughs> <is> there <laughs> any moments in the film where Merlin kind of gives hints that he knows what's ha- what's going to happen, or that he he's always known this was going to happen? Or this was... Or what he, was I mean, he says explicitly...
0: He says explicitly a few times that he can see the future and that his plans take place over a long time. So yeah. I think that's sort of a hint, at least in the in the the world of the movie. I'm trying to think if there's any moments where Merlin like addresses the camera directly, because that would be a pretty clear indication to the audience that Merlin is you know, that by breaking the fourth wall, Merlin is telling us you and i are the same we are both watching this unfold Mm.
1: but it's not real time i don't think there are but there is one bit where he's he's i can't remember what it was that just happened he says i know i didn't foresee this happening it's almost almost as if he is talking to the audience but he's talking to himself um i can't remember exactly what it was that happened something that Arthur did. Arians is tempted to kill Arthur, but is deeply moved by his display of faith and decides to knight him. And Merlin is stunned, and this is something he as this is something he did not foresee. As if to say he always foresees everything that happens. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's an interesting idea.
1: Maybe I will have to
0: rewatch it and with that in mind to so, see if I sort of get it more.
1: I think I think do you know what I think you should rewatch it one day? Maybe not in the okay. near future. But um just bearing that in mind. And also, um I mean, does it does it does it does it, does it make you interested in, in Arthurian legends? Does it make you think, oh, I want to read some Arthurian legends to see like Um No, not particularly it? Okay.
0: Like my my exposure to Arthurian legends is like The Sword and the Stone from Disney and <laughs> uh, I think that's about it.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's why Maybe you'd like it better if you if like me you grew up with these legends. Maybe.
0: Maybe. I mean I would certainly relate to it more have more of a connection to the characters.
1: Had you ever seen any other films by by that director, John Gorman?
0: I don't think I have. Mm-hmm. Have
1: you heard of Deliverance?
0: I've heard of it. I haven't
1: seen it, though. He did that. It's about a a group of guys going off on a fishing trip, and something horrible happens.
0: I did not ruin this movie for you, did
1: I? You no, I don't think you have. I don't think you have. I'm going to rewatch it on Sunday, I think, just to okay. see and take into account the stuff, the things you said, and then um see how I feel about them. See if I think you're. See if I think you're right whether i can
0: say so, yeah, i, mean, I do think, think that, that like the realistic armor in this movie is kind of fertile ground for physical comedy and i think it actually did do a little bit of that but i wish it did more or it, it embraced yeah. it more even though it's like a serious
1: drama cuz there's some levity in it, it's, it... But for you, it kind of added a slightly comical touch where it wasn't where you didn't think it should have been.
0: Um, I just think that like, when you have a movie this long, if you stick yeah. to a, a very specific tone like this one tried to do, it can get kind of one note. And I think if it sort of dabbled more in comedic expressions or you know just other things, it might have made the whole thing feel a little more dynamic.
1: Okay, yeah, because the I do you think would you agree that the character of Merlin was the one with the most shades? Yeah, because it. He was kind of serious and comedic and. Yeah. He was worried and concerned. Yeah. I think
0: that reinforces the idea of Merlin as a stand in for the audience. Like, Merlin's interpretation of the scene tells the audience how to
1: understand it. Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting way to watch it and there's, because obviously there's a big part of the film where Merlin's off screen isn't there and you kind of yeah. miss him I'm just thinking was there any Were there any other bits of the plot that you thought weren't clear or just did not make sense like things that were hap- there were things that were happening like I, there were things that I didn't really understand that were happening until actually rereading the plot just now earlier made me think, well actually I f I didn't I just realised that's why that was. I didn't actually didn't actually understand why why that was happening. Um I'm just looking oh, for, an, okay. example. Look so for an example.
0: That's kind of interesting
1: because um, you
0: you've seen this like a dozen times, right? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So despite seeing it like a dozen times, you're still, like, learning n- new things about what's happening in the film yeah, by reading I mean, the plot I find,
1: story. I think those things that okay. I misinterpreted, I mean, and I'm guessing, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the plot on Wikipedia, so it's maybe not the, this, it, maybe that wasn't the director's interpretation. Maybe this is someone else's interpretation. Yeah. If that's, I think, yeah, I do think this is a film... You need to watch multiple times to kind of get it. Like the plot, do you think, can you remember the scene at the beginning, near the beginning, when the Pendragon gets it on with Cornwall's wife and you see Morgana being aware of what's happening? Yeah. Do you think... Mm-hmm. Do you think, do you think that she, um, well, I guess that, I was going to say, do you think she knows then what's going on and thinks, right, this is horrible, I'm not going to, I'm going to plan my revenge. Do you think she knows then? Um, well, she, she's a I don't think. That's going to, that's going to stay with she...
0: her. I don't think she understands what's happening, but I think she understands that whatever is happening is not good and it's not right. And I think that impression, more than these specific events, probably stuck with her and was more formative. But that's maybe an interesting question. Whether her crusade against Arthur and the Knights is somehow vengeance for her her
1: her harmed mother. That's, that's interesting, because you kind of don't ever... Because you only see... Because you don't really get... You don't really find out what happens to her mother after that scene, do you? She's never kind of referred to again. Or is she? Does to mention her yeah. again? You, get, you kind of get the impression more that she's... Seeking vengeance on this guy, who's her brother, yeah. but she doesn't want him yeah. to be her brother. She hates him because she's—he's the result of this, this um trickery. Right. This um, evil, lost, and trickery, which makes her evil in return.
0: Yeah, and that also sort of explains her antagonism to Merlin it's not only that she wants the powers that he possesses but also yeah. that he facilitated the rape of her mother
1: I read somewhere that um, Nicole Williamson who played Merlin and Helen Mirren did not like each other in real life and the director kind of cast them I not if he cast them based on that but he played he played it It up to create a proper antagonism between them on screen. And it does work.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's believable in the movie. I don't know that it's really necessary, right? Helen Mirren is very talented. Well, I
1: know there's lots of directors doing that, trying to facilitate performances from actors by treating them like shit. Or making them yeah. think, like saying, oh, you're crap, and then being nice to the other actors, or to try and elicit the proper kind of characterization.
0: But, it's a shitty way to treat your co workers.
1: Okay, so Excalibur. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's Excalibur. That's
1: Excalibur. Um, so I'm going to rewatch it someday. And I'll see what I might message you and see if I agree with what some of the, what you said. But I think from now on I'm gonna watch the film before we do this.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that's wise. I don't remember what our sign-off is.